$167,000. I'll settle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Welcome to our third episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best, part of our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks and, you know, the whole numbers thing, just give up. We're going to listen to some music. We're going to have some fun. I'm your host, Jared Alfred, the yard sale artist. With me, as always, is my awesome co-host and best friend in life. Mr. Alan J. Porter, welcome back to the show, Alan. Thank you, Jared. Yeah, numbers are not my thing anyway. That's why I'm a writer, so I don't have to deal with numbers. You know what? We're going to talk about tracks we like. You guys can count them up however you want. We're still going to call the show Six of the Best. <laughs> Speaking of which, Six of the Best is going to take the following approach. We're going to include a discussion of the overall movie theme, and I believe today it's a little bit of Carly Simon action. And for each show, Alan and I will alternate who takes the lead. Alan has the lead on this show, so he'll get his first choice of three additional tracks after the main theme. And then the other guy, that's me, gets stuck with the leftovers and has to pick three from what is left. All those good stuff on this one. Speaking of the lead, that is Mr. Alan J. Porter. What we got going on tonight, Alan? Well, this month it's all about submarine cars, camels, exploding tankers, and undersea stuff as we discuss The Spy Who Loved Me. As always, we have to thank the wonderful John Burlingame for the excellent book, The Music of James Bond, from which we steal many of the facts that we're talking about and the little stories around the music. Uh, highly recommend the book. If you haven't read it, go out, buy a copy. Definitely. And then you'll know what we're going to say before the podcast. <laughs> Instead of learning things, you'll be like, mm, that checks out. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> so the Spy Who Loved Me, just a sort of bit of background on this. Again, we heard the producers were really wanting to get John Barry back, but he was sort of in a bit of a bind with his tax situation. A lot of folks around that time had left the UK because of high taxation and stuff like that. Basically, he was in a situation that meant he couldn't work in England due to tax laws. And they did most of the recording for the soundtracks in England, so that wouldn't really work. Um, So they were on the search for another composer. And the hot property of the time was a guy called Marvin Hamlish, who a couple of years earlier had become the only person to win all three music Oscars in the same year, which is pretty impressive on your resume. One of the things that stands out to me around this soundtrack, I will say, I actually don't like it. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) other than one track that we'll get to, I find it quite boring overall. It's one of my least favorite soundtracks, but we'll probably get into that. It's also one of the shortest. I saw the note that there was less music in this Bond movie than any other Bond movie. There's only 46 minutes of music in this movie, and seven minutes of that is not even Hamish's work. So less than 40 minutes of his work actually in the movie, Hmm. which is maybe why it didn't really react. And I don't like this movie as much as a lot of people do. I know a lot of people really love this movie. It's not one of my favorites. So maybe that colors my view of the soundtrack too. So I want to pick up on a note that you said last time out, Jared. You said that you thought that The Man with the Golden Gun was the shortest Bond soundtrack album. I thought it had the fewest amount of tracks. Uh, was it the fewest amount? I thought you said it was like the shortest or something. I believe I caveated fewest soundtracks, but either way. So, okay, so this is verified as the least amount of music, though. Well, it's the least amount of music in the movie. Okay. So what he did here was he actually decided that when they were putting the soundtrack album together, he would actually make it an album. Because a lot of his music cues in the movie are really short. So he put some stuff together. He combined stuff. He even wrote stuff just for the soundtrack album. Oh. He wanted it to be a cohesive, enjoyable listening experience rather than a collection of music cues from the movie. So he put it together as an album. For me, still didn't work. <laughs> still not particularly enjoyable music. But based on what I thought you said last time, it's like, I'm going to compare the two. So I pulled out my vinyl of 
The Man with the Golden Gun and the vinyl of The Spy Who Loved Me. Right. And I checked, and they're both identical. They are both 12 inches in diameter. They <laughs> were not about the numbers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did actually check the run times. So Man with the Golden Gun was 42 minutes and 17 seconds on the soundtrack album. Uh-huh. And this one is 36 minutes and 16 seconds. Ah, so if I did indeed say shortest, which I, might, I very well might have, this would so, probably be the shortest. Be the shortest, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but having said that, it is the only soundtrack that was actually nominated for an Oscar for their best original score. It's the only Bond soundtrack that got an Oscar nod for best original score. Really? Which, yeah. <laughs> Not John Barry, but Marvin Hamlish. Not John Barry, but this pop thing from Marvin Hamlish. Yeah. It's weird. I don't understand why. To me, it's just another pointer that the Oscars are not worth the paper they're not written on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, why would you never honor John Barry, but this one would get an Oscar nod? I don't know. Yeah, I think you and I would both agree that Majesties, I think Majesties yeah. is, is the best. It like blows it away, but yeah, yes, it is. It doesn't, this doesn't even come close. So <laughs> whatever. But I did like one of the, the comments that's in the Birmingham book about Hamlish was he couldn't understand why he didn't get asked back because he was like, hey, we got a hit single and two Oscar nominations out of it. Why didn't they hire me back? So I don't know. But hmm. uh, I know I have a reason why I wouldn't have hired him back. But Because um... <laughs> you don't enjoy this album overall. Because <laughs> I don't enjoy the album at all. But... <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Hamlish. Okay, so let's go into the title song. As you already mentioned, it's sung by Carly Simon. The theme song nobody does it better is the first one to not use the title of the movie or a Fleming title as the title of the song it's i think it's the first one where the actual title is buried in the lyric the theme song was co-written by hamlish and lyricist singer carol bayer sager and apparently it was her that came up with the title nobody does it better based on the first time hamlish played the tune and then they sort of wrote the song around that title um over a transatlantic sort of phone calls and stuff hmm. over a period of weeks but his first and only choice to sing it was Carly Simon, which obviously he he managed to get Carly Simon to sing it. It did chart in both the US and the UK. It peaked at number two in the US and peaked at number seven in the UK, which is pretty cool. And as I mentioned, the, the soundtrack was nominated for an Oscar. The song was actually also nominated for an Oscar. But at the Oscar ceremony, a very weird, funky dance version was performed by Aretha Franklin. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Backed by a bunch of dancers with hula hoops, and it is very surreal. And I have included a link to it in the alternate cover versions track listing, which you'll find in the show notes. So if you want to go and look at how this song was presented at the 1978 Oscars, um, <laughs> it's, wor- it, it's worth a couple of minutes of your time. But be warned, it is really strange. So. <laughs> this, was the, this was the 70s. <laughs> it was the 70s, yeah. All right. So should we, uh, should we kick off with the correct version? of Nobody Does It Better, sung by Carla Simon. Let's do that.
What do you think, Jared? What do you think of that one? I've always liked it. Maybe not a top tenor for me, but I will say that since the passing of Sir Roger Moore, there's been a lot of tributes to him, and that song is often the go-to song. And it just, now that he's gone, it has a different meaning, and it hits me in the heart a little more. What about you? Yeah, I think it's a nice, lovely song. I, I hadn't even thought actually about the Roger Moore tributes, but you're right. It's the one that's used on every Roger Moore tribute. So it sort mm-hmm. of does have that extra level of resonance to it. Carol Bayer-Sager said that she set out to write a pop song, not a movie theme or a movie title song. And I think it's a very good pop song, particularly for the time. Um, I'd agree. Sure. I, to me, it doesn't still resonate necessarily as a Bond song, but it is, I think, a, a very well-crafted pop song of the era. So uh, I quite like it. It's one I can sing along to and hum to and stuff. So yeah, I'm okay with it. As I said, I think there's two good good tracks on this album. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so vain that I think the song is about me. Yeah. The deep well, that's Charlie that's, Simon that's, cut for you. That, that is a deep <laughs> So, so Hamlish and Bersaga said that they considered this the first theme song written about Bond himself. But that depends on how you think about Thunderball. True. Because to me, Thunderball is about Bond, but some people think it's about the villain. But this one is clearly is about Bond. So for me, it's the second song about Bond, but some people say it's the first. So yeah. I would agree with you. I'm, I thought Thunderball was a Bond-oriented song. Yeah. Okay. But it is interesting that, uh, you know, this far in and we're only having one or two Bond uh, songs actually about the hero of the series, most of the songs are about the bad guys, which is interesting. Well, I find it interesting anyway. <laughs> um, I want to write a song about Max Zorin now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll work on it. You've got to get something in there about his blimp deflating. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, with that, uh, yeah, let's move on. All right, so uh, it's time to unpack the wet bike, skim across the way to Atlantis and take a look at my first three picks. As I mentioned, this is sort of the the first Bond soundtrack album that was reconfigured and designed to be listened to as an album with Hamish sort of extending cues and combining stuff and even rewriting some stuff from the film specifically for the album. And my first pick is the one that I said, I said there was two good tracks. This is the other good one. For me, it was the first one to go to. And I think somebody was annoyed that I got first pick on this one. Um, <laughs> men- mentioning no names. When you think of The Spy Who Loved Me, there's only one other track you think of, and that's Bond 77. Let's hit it, and then we'll talk about it.
this is one where Hamish took basically the music from the awesome pre-credit sequence, added in music from some of the chase scenes later in the movie, extended a bit, and added a admitted BG's synth rhythm track. Actually, Birmingham mentions in the book that Hamlish was a little worried that he might actually get sued because it is such an obvious lift from the BGs. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that was the sound of the time. It was the rhythm of the time. And if you said to me that I would have continued over the years to love a disco-inspired Bond theme, I would have told you you were crazy. But <laughs> I do. I still, 40 years on, it's... Uh, still has the groove uh, oh, absolutely it, yeah and it's still one of despite my disdain for the album as a whole this is actually still one of my all-time favorite bond movie tracks so, oh it's so yeah. much fun and it's just everything about late 70s roger moore bond in this in that track <laughs> yes yeah it is, i think it is the perfect roger moore track it's yes. great yeah definitely okay so i then had to pick two more <laughs> did you do this randomly to just put like on a little wheel <laughs> so i listened to the album over and over and over again thinking what's going to be my next two and i didn't come out with two so my second track is one that's actually again going back to Birmingham's book he actually refers to as the most sinister and melodramatic music of the entire score and i think i agree with him um again it's an expanded and extended version from the movie score that's on the album it's a trend i've noticed thinking back over these shows that I seem to really like the more sinister tracks for some reason. <laughs> don't know if it's just talking to you, Jared puts me in that frame of mind, but, um, and also because I did spend a little time in the merchant Marine and know what life's like on board ship and at sea. And I like the sort of the aquatic underscore of it. We're going to go with track seven for my second pick is the tanker. Thank you. 
So, thoughts on that one? Sinister. Sinister. <laughs> Melodramatic. Da, da, da. Do you like that one or not? I do. I like, well, you like a little it. bit of a reveal. I like this album a lot better than you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think That's- it's a great atmospheric track, especially, you know, when that, the tanker doing what it does, you know, the you only live twice thing in the ocean. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's a great track. Oh, absolutely. Very atmospheric. It is very atmospheric, yes. And it, like I said, it has that sort of nice aquatic underscore that you get in other scores like Voice to the Bottom of the Sea, Stingray, whatever. So my third pick is uh, is a short one. It's aptly called The Conclusion because it is my concluding pick, even though it is the penultimate track on the album, but we won't worry about that. This is the, the second half of the light show at the Pyramids, which for some obscure reason they split these on the movie soundtrack and then stuck another track in the middle so i don't really understand that i was a little befuddled myself but to me this is the second half of that light show at the pyramids and i think it's sort of the more dramatic element of it so i think it's short but again i think it's pretty uh, highly effective in that sense sense of menace so i'm going for the ominous track again (laughs) all right here we go So what I like about this one is it's in total contrast to what you're seeing on the screen. If you just listen to the track on its own with the choir and the build and stuff, it's sort of building towards that grand conclusion and it's uplifting and stuff. But what's actually happening on the screen is that somebody's getting murdered at this point. So once you have that visual in your mind, I think it gives the music and the track a very different vibe and a very different feel as if you'd listen to it, not knowing what it applies to. It's a neat way of actually using music to contrast what's actually happening on screen. Definitely. I, especially early in the track it's obviously recognizable as what's going on at the pyramid show and i'd always wondered if that was source music or if it was written for a long time i was like is that something they actually play at that pyramid show or was it made for the movie so i'm picking up that it was made for the movie as I it was made for yeah it was made for the movie from what i understand was that they actually couldn't get the effect they actually wanted on site so i got you they, they wrote stuff, yeah. Though, if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct us, but my understanding is that that was actually written for the movie. So with that, I'm handing it over to you, sir. All right, I will take the baton from here. Alan told me that I could have the Laparis of song selections, and I thought that would mean I'd get the best one, but then I found out with the Karl Marx, of course. <laughs> really happy with that line that I wrote. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're easily pleased. I really am. Okay, I'll pick up my favorite three tracks, but I will say this. I like this album a lot more than Alan does overall for like the whole album experience. This is a top fiver for me. I like putting this one on and listening to it. I was really happy that Alan didn't pick some of my very, very favorite tracks from the film. And let's just start off with the first one that I picked, which is track three from the album. It is called Ride to Atlantis. And I just really like that little... I just like that little melody. I dig it and it sounds aquatic to me. And it'll sound a lot better when Marvin Hamlish and his folks play it. So I'll get to that.
Can I honestly say that that little melody, great to my nerves. I, I was just thinking, it's probably either you love it or hate it. And I just like, I think Alan probably hates it. <laughs> okay, I have a very specifically deep cut, I suppose. I'm a big fan of the Legend of Zelda video game series. And every time you go to one of the aquatic worlds or portions of the map, the background music is very similar to that. Yeah. And so okay. it kind of tugs on, not only do I like that little melody, but it also has that very aquatic universe sound to me from the Zelda game. So I might be a very, very interesting Venn diagram as to why I enjoy <laughs> that song. But I, I will give you that it does evoke an aquatic setting, but I don't know, just that melody just... Ah. <laughs> I can I see I can see it being one of those either love it or hate it melodies. I really yeah, could. Yeah. I love it, but I understand where if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't work. So yeah. it's understandable. Yeah. Now, my next track is my second favorite track on the album after Bond 77. Bond 77 is far and away my favorite track, but this one I like a lot. It is super mellow, super loungy. I just love putting this track on when I just want to kick back and relax and just chill for a minute. Sometimes I put it on when I got my nice hot bubble bath going and I just chill out to this track. So get that mental image in your head there, Alan. And, and we'll I would say that's it. just ruined my Sunday afternoon. <laughs> with track five, nobody does it better, the instrumental version.
I'll give you the, the little guitar stuff is pretty cool. I actually do like this. A friend of mine put together a compilation of, he titled Bond After Dark, which includes all the sleazy <laughs> nightclub type, late evening type Bond music. And this fits beautifully in that as mm-hmm. a listening experience. I think my problem with it here is, yes, it's a nice laid back arrangement, but if this album is designed to be a comfortable listening experience to the album as a whole, I don't think this fits with what's around it. I don't think it fits on the album. As That's a, fair. It seems different. Yeah, it's out of place on the album as a whole, I think is my issue with it. But as a standalone, late evening, laid back track, yeah, I think it works well. Excellent. Yeah, I love it. I do. So then I was left to pick one more, and I didn't really have any other standout. So I thought to myself... All right, what other music stands out to me? And just kind of like you, I went to the pyramid scene. Mm-hmm. And I always remember how it almost syncs up with the lights where it does the bow, bow. And I was like, what track is that? So I went hunting for that. And then as you alluded to earlier, they're kind of weirdly split and out, <laughs> out of order. Yeah. I was like, I think it's on this one. No, wait, it's on this one. But this one goes with that one. Anyways, bottom line is track eight. It's called The Pyramids. Let's give it a listen. I don't even really get my bear bear moment, <laughs> but it's building to that. <laughs> I don't know if that shows up on another track or not. That actual I, moment. I'm not sure, yeah. but it's implied. And I've always thought that music was interesting during that scene. And you picked music from that same scene. Yeah. Conclusion. The end choral piece. I feel like if there's a planetarium somewhere out there that's not using that music in their planetarium show, <laughs> start, but it just sticks with me. That's the only other scene where I was like, the music really sticks with me and you picked from the same scene. So we must have had the same vibe. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem I've got with this. Normally when I listen to soundtracks and I know the soundtracks are not in the story order, but while I'm listening to soundtracks, I'm seeing and replaying the scenes in my mind. Mm-hmm. And this one, when I'm listening to it, sort of either on vinyl in my office or on CD in the car, it just becomes a wall of noise. It doesn't trigger those visual memories. I don't start running bits of the movie in my mind again. Hmm. I, I have to actually stop and think, okay, what part of the movie was this? Rather than it automatically triggering that in my mind. I think that's part of the issue I have with this. And I don't know whether that's a consequence of the fact that it isn't purely a soundtrack album, that he did try and make it something different. And that's why it doesn't work for me. I don't know. It sounds like that may be very much part of it, because I would prefer them to be in chronological movie order as well. Yeah, they really are on any soundtrack album. But if it is the actual music cue, it pulls that together. And I don't know when they remix, add, expand and throw extra stuff in. I think it just dilutes that experience for me. I think it's a fair point. And that will do it for my three tracks. I'll hand it back to you, sir. Okay, so we've talked about the album itself, the theme song, and we've already sort of discussed the more public cover version by Aretha Franklin at the Oscars in 1978. So I decided not to pick that one. But instead, I've uh, gone for a more modern version that surprised me when I found it because virtually every other cover version is done by a single female lead. And this is something a little different. It's uh, Nobody Does It Better by Radiohead, of all people.
So what do you think of that, Jared? Three things. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, that crescendo at the end with the rocking guitar, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Number two, I did the thing you should never do when you originally sent me that link a couple of weeks ago. I read the YouTube comments and people either love this or hate <laughs> it. <laughs> it's, it's in a big way. Yes. In a big way. I am on the love it side. And number three, if we don't get Radiohead to give us a Bond theme before their time is done, it will be a major disappointment. I really wanted their Spectre song to be the theme to Spectre. It didn't pan out. I was going to say, if you want to go for something in that mold, go for Radiohead, not Sam Smith. Yeah, it was just, yeah. This for me was like, this is is what we could have had. Yes. Yeah. That is probably... Well, it's definitely my favorite remix track that you've ever brought in. And I've liked all your tracks. I thought they're great. But this one's my favorite you've ever brought in. And it might be my favorite remix track we've ever done on the show. Fantastic. Great. It's cool, isn't it? Yes. So so if our dear listeners would like to hear how others have tackled this iconic Bond theme, we have put together, as usual, a playlist of the covers that we found on YouTube. If you just search for Bond Music, Six of the Best, you'll find the playlist for each of the shows. They're all tagged with the individual ones. So just look for that one with The Spy Who Loved Me. And we will put the direct link for that playlist in the show notes. Yes, Alan tirelessly works to put those playlists together. I highly recommend that you check those out. They're great bonus material for when you finish with the show and you're like, man, I probably won't get another Bond Music 6 of the Best for a month or so. 
Great place to get your bond fixed while you wait. Having put that plug in for my best friend, Alan, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. If you've got a question or a comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on our Twitter page, which is at ohmspod. Don't forget to subscribe to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you could leave us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate it. Or you can always chat with us personally on social media. I can be found at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Alan. You can find me at James Bond Lexicon on Instagram or Tumblr and Bond Lexicon on Twitter. And as always, we will pass our baton to our white rocket founder and OHMS pod co-host. They're going to both write that time. Van Allen Plexico to thank our generous patrons who support all of our white rocket endeavors. All the shows we do here at the White Rocket Entertainment Network are presented to you commercial free purely because we have such great folks who keep us on the air covering all of our expenses from equipment to podcast and web hosting, URLs, and everything else. Our current patrons include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Atsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, AU Falling Up, Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Robert J. Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews, and then there's Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Kenoy, Don Ziederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. We're almost to the end because finally we have Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrecht, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle, Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, as well as Chris Brent Rumble, and our occasional donors such as Surfer Chickify and our great anonymous donors. We thank you all. We appreciate it. We couldn't do these shows without you. Okay, so thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, today's tracks are from the remastered CD, The Spy Who Loved Me. Although, to be completely honest, I actually picked them while listening to the 1977 album final version, <laughs> which is still 12 inches in diameter because I just checked. <laughs> just checked. Uh, as always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels, CD or vinyl, and please support the Bond creative community. We and John Barry will be back next month for Six of the Best from Moonraker. See you then. Bye. Bye. Sorry, when we finish this one, there's a couple uh, things I need to follow up with you on. So. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. You're not in trouble. You're all right. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, that may be by, by the end of the show, maybe. But Yeah, maybe. give it time. I can I can double back. Good soundtrack tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, I guess we will. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a choice. <laughs> That's my evil laugh. It's best I have. This one probably grates his nerves, too. <laughs>